The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you're listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We are in episode 33, and I say this every week, but it really is meaningful to me. If you like this podcast or you've heard something that inspired you, if you could share it and let other people know about it. Podcasting is still, well, it's not new. There are a lot of people that are just figuring out that it's a lot easier than it used to be. There's apps that you can uh, download on your phone, and then you can find a whole host of programs and shows of things that you're interested in. In this particular situation, you can find us on Podcast One, um, but we are also on the My Talk 1071 show page where we coincidentally, I have a radio show about food called The Weekly Dish, so you can find us there. Um, also, we have a Instagram page, a Twitter account at Makers of MN, and Facebook. So if you have any ideas of other makers that you think you want us to talk to, please let us know because some of the recommendations for the stories that you guys have given us have been super great. And Today, I am going to be talking with Ben Reentz, and he is part of a group of nine people that are on the very cusp of in the middle of forming a new restaurant company in town. And originally, when I started this podcast, I had the opportunity to sit down with Phil Roberts, who I think is one of the founders of like a restaurant group in the Twin Cities. And he um, had developed lots of restaurant concepts. So I'm really excited to have you today, Ben. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. I love the idea that like talking to Phil was kind of not in the twilight of his career necessarily, but he's sort of more on the tapering off side and you're on the beginning side. So I read an article, I think it was in the Business Journal, about sort of you guys and your world domination plans. So thanks for being here today. <laughs> It's my pleasure. I, I, I'm really excited. Okay, so I think I first ran into you maybe at an event somewhere, and then someone was like, yeah, you have to try this gastro pub in Richfield, <laughs> which I'll just be honest, it wasn't like my, like, woo, great, but Lynn 65 is wonderful. Thank you so much. Were you a kid in Richfield that grew up there, or why was that a location appealing to you? Because it's not known for their restaurants necessarily. No, you know, it's it happened pretty organically. I, I grew up in Lakeville, Minnesota. Oh, okay. Uh, and played sports all the way through. So, you know, we travel everywhere. I've been to Richfield a bunch. Um, what did you play? I played hockey and soccer. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, two really good sports that I really love. You know, and they're pretty quintessential to Minnesota now, yeah. too. But, um, no, you know, just traveling, getting a feel for it. I started working in restaurants when I was 16 years old, that whole thing, uh, whether it was dishwashing, uh, bus. What was the first restaurant you worked in? It's called the Nicollet Grill in Burnsville, Minnesota. Sure. Uh, it was there for a, just an instant, and then it was gone. But it was a chef-driven restaurant, uh, and the chef was crazy. <laughs> Were you a good student? Uh, in school? Yeah. Not really. No, I, I was uh, I was pretty pretty bad, actually. You know, I... <laughs> I got into Hamlin University for soccer, but you know, going into my senior year, I had a 1.8 GPA. Yep. I didn't uh, turn in homework. I didn't really care, and I was, uh, you know, I just, I, I had no passion for it at all. Um, and so then, uh, you know, going through some of that stuff, 
uh, trying college, going through a bunch of them, not really realizing. You know, I just just kept trying because your parents want you to. Well, I was just going to ask you that. Like, so I believe that some people just aren't college material. Doesn't mean they won't find their way doing something else. But so you were in sports in high school, which probably grounded you to the high school and trying to complete. Right. Um, and so your parents wanted you to go to college. So you're, did you just know, like, oh, this is just not going to be good? Or did you, like, think, oh, I'll turn a new leaf? And <laughs> You know, they, they do a good job of telling you that you're going to turn a new leaf uh, when you get into college. And, and it's a very supportive community. And if you can accept that and if you're ready to accept that and become a part of that community, I think it becomes much easier to be successful. But uh, I wasn't ready. You know, I wanted, I was sleeping in still as social anxiety, all those good things that a lot of chefs have. Yeah. You know, we uh, I, I didn't want to go to class and all those things. So I, uh, I but I kept finding myself in restaurants throughout all of it. So whether it was Nicollet Grill, Ruby Tuesdays, Applebee's, I got a really good corporate background sure. in serving and, and doing some kitchen work there. Um, but as far as the location in Richfield for Lin 65, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't uh, really my choice. I was approached by my partners uh, when I was working at Alma Restaurant Alma and um, said we want to open up a restaurant. We had a mutual friend that connected us, and I said, okay, that sounds good. I started conceptualizing. They said, you, either, you can either go to Nicollet uh, or Diamond Lake Road in Minneapolis, or you can go to where we are now at Lin 65. So let me ask you about that. How often I don't are these partners people that you're still partners with today? Yeah, yep. They are uh, at Lin 65. They are. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're going on our separate ways as far as the future of uh, the Chitarians yep. and, and Popovu and, and St. Paul, which we'll get to, but... Uh, yeah, they, they are very, very smart businessmen. I've learned a ton from them. So they, they own a lot of property. They, they have, uh, acquired a good amount of wealth so they can be the bank as well. Yeah. So, so they, how did they, how did they pick you out of, you were at restaurant Alma. Yeah. How did they pick you of all people in the universe to say like, Hey kid, I want to give you some money <laughs> yeah. and I want you to open a restaurant. Where do you want it to be? Uh, yeah, no, like something had to happen between there. I, well, yeah, they owned a house uh, right on Lake Nokomis that my best friend was renting. And so they were managing that property. Um, and one of my partners is a pretty, he's a great guy. And yeah. He was just talking to my, my best friend for a while. And then, course through the conversation we want to open a restaurant blah 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 uh to kev my, my best friend saying you know i know a guy who works at restaurant alma he's you know he's got a good pedigree all this stuff so um then the conversation started we we started you know communicating about food and, and my visions and these guys are a little bit more of the buffalo wild wings style yep where i obviously come from being with alex roberts and 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 the scratch kitchens and all that stuff uh but they wanted to put tvs all over the place in rich in richfield and they wanted to have baskets of fried chicken and yep. not fried chicken, uh, chicken wings and, and a million sauces. And I just basically said, guys, that's not, that's not what anybody here wants. You know, they can go down the road and get that everywhere. There's hula hands, there's champs. At the yep. time there was champs. Um, and so we just kind of, for me, it was just a conceptualized thing of what I knew, what I've been through in my past. Uh, I didn't eat vegetables until I was like 23 years old. Which <laughs> no one knows. I wouldn't. I was the pickiest eater in the entire world. Was, really? Yeah, what were you eating instead? A plain cheeseburger from McDonald's, Donald's yep. Pizza, all that stuff. You know, suburban kid growing up. That's how you kind of, especially if both parents work, you, you just kind of fend for yourself. And yep. there's not really, you know, cooking's a, a chore back then until the Food Network comes along and makes it pretty. Do you remember watching the Food Network? Oh, yeah, yeah. And thinking I, that was cool? Yeah. I, and all the ads at night and stuff, which is getting everybody into trouble now. But um, yeah, I, I, I was hooked on all that stuff. So. 
and re- being in restaurants and stuff like that, you know, you think you know. I wanted to work at a steakhouse when I first started culinary school. Luckily, the day I started culinary school, Alex Roberts also called me for an interview at Brasa. So my my trajectory changed immediately. Right. If I had just gone to culinary school, I would have ended up at a steakhouse and I would have been... Or a hotel or... or a hotel. Yeah. I would have mm-hmm. been broiling, you know, asparagus 365 days a year and I would have been cooking steaks and all the, all the old school stuff that doesn't really have a place uh, in city centers anymore. You know, there, it, it's really... Uh, hotels is one thing because you have to have that... You have to be able to service an entire, you know, place. Yeah. And, and so you have to keep it more simple and not so intricate. But now I think we all really love these independent restaurants and stuff. So how did um, Alex Roberts find you if you weren't even through culinary school yet? It was uh, – so I had applied to something at Restaurant Alma. I looked at the website. I didn't get any of it. I didn't understand it. And then it said where it was a Craigslist ad, and it was looking for their sister restaurant, Brasa. Um, and I applied to it uh, when I was moving back. I was going to school in Wilmer, Minnesota, still continuing on my college journey. Yeah. I'm like my sixth college. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was going to my seventh at MCTC for culinary, finally. Um, but uh, the day that I was driving uh, to go and do my registration at for culinary school, he called me. And I went and met him at Brasa. I didn't know what yucca was. I had no idea. I had never eaten creamed spinach. I just lied my way through it in a way. Uh, but I think he just saw that I was eager yeah. And, you know, the position at Brasa back then was you work at the steam table, so I'm just plating food. Right. I, I didn't need to cook, which is a great, a huge, huge step in um, for me. You know, it, it, it was the best opportunity that I've ever had. And to get into that organization with a guy like Alex uh, at that time was it was amazing. Alex Roberts has mentored a lot of chefs in the Twin Cities area. Him, Tim McKee, there's like a list of people that have really mentored yeah. and grown a lot of people. What was it about him? I mean, you worked there five years. What was it about him that struck you? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it didn't make sense at the time. I didn't really realize it because I think when you're inside of it, you don't know. Um, and for Alex, he's kind of insulated in a way. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. And he seems a little shy. Yeah. he's a, Well, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's concentrated. He's focused on what he's doing. He's all about his employees. But just for a young cook. He's insulated, and you know he's got his sous chefs. He's especially back then. There was that place was run by uh, an amazing, amazing chef who's up north again now, Brian Morcom. Um, but he and Mike Berger, who's still at Alma, he's now like the main guy doing mm-hmm. everything there. But um, Mike's been there for like fifteen years, which is crazy too. But um, yeah, uh, just um, we were insulated, and in, in, but working there with Brian Morcom kind of changed my life too. Brasso was one thing. Uh, Alex saw that I was eager to learn. He knew I was in culinary school. An opening up, uh, opening came up in Alma, and they switched me over. Yep. And so my first day, uh, I was working on the cold side or, or salad station with Mamie Gretsch, who's went on to cook at Alinea, uh, a bunch of places. She owns. She she moved down to Nashville. She got married, and she owns her own bakery now. She's making amazing like seasonal donuts and cool. Yeah, it's really cool, and making amazing ice creams down there. But um, my first day there, she gave me one project which was a wild nettle souffle and she said you have four hours to make this and it took me like four and a half hours to make 30 of these little intricate yep. souffles because i you know i it was still my first foray into real cooking where you're blanching the kale or the the nettles you're doing you're cleaning it getting all the dirt off of it you know they're foraged and and that was just eye-opening to me and um, to make a souffle yeah, i mean that's yeah. not easy i know you've gone to culinary school <laughs> yeah, but i was i was i was too 
that was six months into culinary school, so I wasn't even to that point in culinary school yet. So, uh, you know, Alma was definitely the catalyst that showed what was up. And, and you know, now I think it's speaking for itself even more now. I, I hope that it continues to, but as Alex is up for national Games Beard Award, yeah, and for Best Chef in the Nation, I think that that shows just how special Restaurant Alma really is, too. It's so cool, too, that he took what was a successful restaurant. He kind of reconcepted it. He added the, the um, hotel on the top. He added a coffee shop kind of a more fast casual, but also has some table service on one side and then uh, modernize the restaurant side just enough, just a little bit. And so it feels very new again. Absolutely. Yeah. And just the way you, it's a special event now when you walk in there Um, and and like Rick Bayless does it in Chicago, there's a few other places that have the dual concept casual. Uh, And then with the hotel up top, which is just great. I mean, Alex has been huge just to get some laws passed down here too. Yeah. That used to be, same uh, liquor license and hospitality license that you give a strip club yep. that he had to go get. So they had to change that whole thing. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, I, I can honestly say I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him and Brian and, and the rest of the, you know, we talked about who he's mentoring. He's mentored so many people. Most of them still work for him. Yeah. And they've been there for 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 years. So when you, you have Lynn 65 and you get this opportunity and I think a gastropub, is that a fair way to describe it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I, we weren't, it, to me, it's an homage to my family because my two brothers still will not eat vegetables. They won't do anything. <laughs> two of them won't. The, uh, the middle other one, I'm, I'm, so there's four boys old. Your I'm poor old mother. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's a saint. My dad traveled all the time for work since I was 13 until I was 20. He still does. Right. So, oh, my gosh, that woman raised four boys, all in sports, all doing things. I yep. Mean, any, I think anybody can identify <laughs> with how hard that probably was. But, um, you know, my, my two, the oldest and the youngest are still really picky. The other middle brother are, is trying new things. But it's not like, you know, he doesn't have the transformation that I have. Because I think the minute you start cutting an onion and sweating it and smelling it, you get interested. Yeah. In vegetables and all that stuff. And, and uh. They haven't had that interest yet. So Lynn 65 to me is a place where they can go eat still. And my dad who loves food, my mom who loves food, she can come and get her fish. Yeah. She can come and get uh, a steak or, a, you know, braised short ribs, things like that that are kind of staples in these kitchens now. But they can still get a cheeseburger. They can still get French fries. They can still get chicken wings. And so we, we are, that's really was the goal. And, and, and also I, just my upbringing kind of made Lynn 65 a, a really good, in my opinion, suburban concept. Because there is something for everybody. Mm-hmm. And there we have to establish and, and acknowledge that there is a complete difference between the city and the suburbs. People who are, you know, the people who really, really, really are attracted to the suburbs for its space, its convenience, um, its quickness, all those things, and, and affordability, uh, they're there for a reason. And the, they're not attracted to the cities. Whereas right. Cities is very attracted. To, it's an attractive place for People who are maybe a little younger, people who want right. to have those those cool restaurants and, and things like that, so, and who are willing to pay. Well, and I think programming to where you are is important. One of the things too that I I feel like at your restaurant that's real unique, still city or country, is the service. Yeah, there's very I'm big on service because I think a great restaurant can really be a ruined experience if the service isn't right. And I think a mediocre restaurant can totally overcome it with charm and service and treating you well, and you'll continue to go back there. So I just remember the very first time we went to your place, my husband's kind of more of the meat and potatoes. I was happy that there was a little more than that because I was at a strip mall in Richfield, just (laughs) sort of like sour about the whole experience. 
but yet it was great and the service was really good and I felt like they talked to us a lot about what the food was and it just really felt good. Yeah. And I can see now looking at you expanding into these other concepts and forming this group. The group is called the Tributarians. Um are these all people like are you taking that Alex Roberts model and you're going to grow people? Yeah, I mean that's to me right now in the in the industry right we, I think we've been through the golden age of independent restaurants in the city. And, and, and that's not, you know, there's all these articles about the bubble popping. Well, the bubble popped four years ago. I, I'm i inclined to agree. Yeah, and it took a while for it to, to kind of get there. Because all these people that would have gone to normal colleges or have normal jobs, didn't want to be in the trades, they kind of got caught up like I did uh, in it all, in, in the romanticism of it. But at the end of the day, it's a very hard job. It's not a very welcoming job. It's not good for your lifestyle. It's not good for anything. For a marriage, it's not right. you know. So, um, what I wanted to do with the tributarians is create a concept, and, and we're still conceptualizing it as we move and as we slowly and steadily go. But I wanted to have something put in place where people could view this as a career. And so, uh, you know, whether it's really aggressive profit sharing, uh, we're going to start doing full benefits. We're going to do four hundred one k. We're going to do S, uh, health savings accounts. Um, but we're trying to get every single person, whether it's the dishwasher to the owner, myself, making fifty to sixty thousand dollars by the end of five years is kind of the goal. And the way you think you will get there, it has to be a different business model. Yeah. How are you thinking about that? Yeah. So, and that's kind of the tributarians. Why you know a tributary is is a very large thing that gets fed by a lot of smaller things, and so and also it's also a funny. Uh, on it's always sunny in Philadelphia, which we oh my god, my husband's concept. favorite show. Yeah, yeah, they they call it giving paying tribute when they send over a crappy red wine to the other table or whatever else. So it's a it's really a funny for us. We have a good sense of humor at Lynn too. So we uh we took that and we said, okay, this is a cool idea. How can we do this? But the the way we're going to pay people and the way we're going to do it is we have to we have to get other concepts open and we have to give ownership people where they deserve it so the tributarians will own 20 percent of every restaurant that it works and what that it manages um so you become sort of the investment arm and well like some gentleman saw you and saw your potential you'll do that with other people that you've worked with yeah other people that we've worked with and even uh outside of people that we've worked with my goal in this and i haven't really shared it with any of the people that are actually in the tributarians yet we've been working (laughs) you know when you're we're trying to do all this stuff we've got service at Lynn 65 where we're meeting with David Shea and his guys for Topo Vu and yep. Central and and we're, we're we're working non-stop work 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 um so all these ideas kind of come it's like writing songs or something you get the idea you write it down and then you you move on from it but my goal with the tributarians is is for us to have a full suited out restaurant um design group con- that can conceptualize for any chef so say um the chef that was just at Tulabi comes into town and he wants his own restaurant or someone like Joe Raleigh, who's just this amazing mm-hmm. chef and, and hasn't founded his own like restaurant yet. Um, they pitch us an idea on the front end of the website. We vet it out and we start working with them and we have the capital to invest. So we become the investment machine too. Hopefully uh, we own real estate as well. Mm-hmm. It's also part of the goal. So, so you we, might be the next Phil Roberts. Well, yeah, yeah, but we're going to do everything <laughs> With a group. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, and just like in Chicago, the one-off hospitality, um, and it's going to escape me right now. I'll think of it in a minute. A minute but, oh, lettuce um, entertain you? Uh, not lettuce. So lettuce is more like the old school parasole, mm-hmm. where they're investing, they're looking at it from lower your, 
lower your costs and all that stuff where Alex always taught me, raise your top line. Yeah. You know, invest more in it, put more money into it, get better ingredients, get better people instead of like you got to cut your labor now. You know, we run 42% labor, not labor, payroll at Lint 65, which is high. Astou- oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, people think it's about double what a normal yeah. restaurant would be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so payroll, it's it's scary, but um, the Tributarians is, is just going to be a an organization that we kind of manage wealth ourselves in a way. You know, we're, there's all this information out there about how to how to become successful and all those things. And um yeah, I'm really, I'm really hopeful that we can get this going. But uh, the front end of that website, yeah, a chef will come to us. They'll, they'll submit their um, idea, and we'll vet it through. We'll get everything going on it. We'll green light it, or we'll say, you know, it needs more work. Uh, we'll see who the chef is, uh, and it helps also for our growth too. We can go to Des Moines because if someone local in Des Moines who has got a great resume writes to the tributarians and says, hey, I want my own restaurant, I want it yep. to be in Des Moines, it's, it's not at all. Um, only in the cities at all. We want to get all. We want to kind of go everywhere with this. Um, but yeah, it, and then we we do all that stuff. We become the bank. They get we get twenty percent of the restaurant, yep. and then they own the rest and they decide what they do. But we provide support. We provide uh, human resources, which is huge for restaurants. Right. We provide accounting. We provide any support they need to change concepts and things like that because we have the talent. I think in our group, so it's an ambitious goal. But I think. Deep down, you know, I think that it's possible. And if we share and if we don't, if I don't keep all the money, if I don't keep it to myself and make millions of dollars, away mm-hmm. from the, I mean, that's obviously grandeur. But if I can say, hey, I want to make seventy to $100,000 a year for the rest of my life yeah. and I can live on that, then I think we can pay our dishwashers $50,000. I think we can do that kind of stuff. It's all very um, hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um it's naivety. all, I, I mean, there's a certain naivete to it, but yeah. I, that makes it sound like it can't happen. I think it can happen and you can be with the right people. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what the restaurant industry will need is people that see it. You know, it's, it's totally fair to want to make a living wage and to want to raise a family. And most people can't. Right. You know, it's hard. It's it's why, you know, Vincent walked away from his restaurant and you, there's all these people that they had a family and they decided they wanted to spend some time with their kids. Yeah, it's it's become the restaurant industry right now is an unsustainable model. The way that it is right now, it is not sustainable because, I, you know, I don't have children, but owning a restaurant and wanting this goal will not allow me to own, to have children. Right. Until I can take steps away. But the thing that people don't understand is you can't take steps away from right. the restaurant. It is. It's a living and breathing thing, and every day it starts over. So, and and there's a lot of people that are there. It's like a big pirate ship, you know. There's a lot of people that are all coming into one place to work there who haven't really made it in the the mainstream. Yeah. Because they, for one reason or another, so there's a lot of clashes of uh, of um, what's the personalities and things like that. Egos so and yeah, agendas oh and egos are. That's the nice thing about Lynn, like with the service there. The one thing that I always preach is no ego. Like you just can't. We're here to provide people with an experience. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with them. They're the ones that are paying our bills. They're the ones that are doing this. So, you know, whenever a server gets sick of the music that's on and changes it for his own because he's sick of it. Yeah. No one else, everyone else is only there for an hour and a half. I, they don't. They're not going to get sick of this music. Right. But that's just a very selfish thing to me. That's not a hospitality moment. That's a, somebody not being able to work. But that's just an example of, of – the way we view our hospitality at Lynn 65 and 
and also at Central and, and Popo Vu as well and moving forward. And tell me about Win 65. Did two of the guys come to you and say, hey, can we do a truck? Yeah, they didn't ask me uh, per se. <laughs> Travis, you know, and, and that's the other thing. To think of the tributarians, think of it as a cooperative. So they didn't really have to ask me. They got their own financing. They got all that stuff. And they were there since the opening of Lynn. To me, they're, they're like brothers, and they, you know, they, my success is their success, and I hope likewise. Um, but, uh, yeah, they just bought one. <laughs> it's like this very tricked out Winnebago that's yeah. pretty cool that serves awesome fried chicken. Yeah, 1970s something Winnebago. Um, and how they made that into like a functioning food truck kitchen is hilarious. Oh my God. Yeah. They, you know, Travis found it on Craigslist. It, it, some guy had done it, but he hadn't done it well. So we had to go. So the idea was in place of a Winnebago food yep. truck. Just a mobile falling apart thing at all times so they had to put a lot of money into it to get it up up and running i think it's fantastic i think you know the, the simplicity of the food and and just the the true hospitality that travis can give to even on a truck in a in a five second interaction or 10 second interaction he's he's very true with it and yeah jason, jason sawicki on the um on the truck making the food i mean he's he's our workhorse he was at almo with me for a long time and He's he's like this six foot three burly guy that just kicks butt. He's amazing. So you have Lynn's on Lynn sixty five, and for I was talking to um, my radio partner Stephanie March and said, well, why do you think he hasn't expanded? You know, up until now, and she said, I think he's sucking away money. <laughs> I think he's got this plan, and he's you know yeah. gonna get the money that he needs to execute his plan. You're obviously working with Shea as a good design company. Mm-hmm. You've got a building that you're working on that's near the Indeed Brewing spot, which didn't scream restaurant when you first looked at it. It looks like you're going to have a lot of build-out going. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that was – we partnered up with an amazing uh, guy who's – if you'd mind me saying his name, but um, his name's Josh Howe. Hi, Josh. Hi, hi Josh. Sorry, bud. Um, But he, you know, he made his – he made a really great living when he was younger – restructuring airlines and, and doing things like that in, yep. in Europe and in Africa. And uh, he just got, the way he'll tell it, or he told me, is, is that he just woke up one day and he didn't like the people that he was working with and he didn't like his lifestyle. He didn't like the life he was living, so he just kind of quit, moved home. He's got a family now, but he's got this company called um, Optimistic Partners. And so he's uh, he did he worked with the Ole Arepa guys. Yep. Um, he did some stuff at Red, Red Stag and manages that place, but... Uh, he he genuinely cares about the concept. He cares about the neighborhood. He cares about everything else. He's not just a landlord that wants to cut and run. And, and so he's doing a lot of the build out with us. And he's gonna completely shelling out this whole building. And yeah, brand new for it's us. real. Oh, I saw the building. I was like, well, it can't be there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just drove by it literally yesterday, and again thought, yeah, am I sure that's the right yeah, spot? Yeah, they're tearing down a lot of it for a big parking lot. Uh, they're gonna completely. You know, redo the entire thing, and it's going to be this very beautiful, almost like beacon of a place there once it's done. Right now, it does. It just it fades away, which is why I think a lot of people didn't see that building. Yeah. It just is like, oh, that's an old, nasty. Blue. You know, yeah, blue. Like, what yep. is that? But, you know, then you start seeing what these incredibly intelligent people start doing with it, architects and, and designers, and, and all of a sudden you look at something on a piece of paper and you say, holy cow, that's amazing. So what was it, you know, you've obviously been working towards this. You've been thinking about concepts. You've been thinking about this shared collaborative work environment. What was it about the chef that's going to be leading the charge at Popol Vuh 
Boo. Sorry. <laughs> it's We're going to talk about the name in a yeah, second. Yeah. What was it about him or this idea that was like, that's the one that's going to start this deal? Um, it's again, it's just all been opportunity and not, you know, I met him. He worked at Lynn for uh, about is, is his name Jose? Jose, yes. Okay. Jose, sorry, Jose Alarcon. Uh, this amazing guy who's got an amazing story, um, just immigrating from Mexico, uh, you know, and, and he'll tell that someday, which is his story is incredible. But um, he works hard. He Everything he does is literally, I mean, he's made Lynn 65 really great because mm-hmm. he, he brines our chicken. He does all the hard, the, the, the behind-the-scenes work that people don't want to do at home. Right. You know, the stuff that takes a few days to get done, and he does it all perfectly. Um, and so he allows us to be very successful. But I just noticed that his work ethic, he doesn't ever complain. He doesn't, you know, he says thank you. The please and thank yous are huge. Um, and, and all of a sudden, I was talking to him one day, and I just said, you know, have you ever wanted your own restaurant? He said, you know, yeah, I, I kind of wanted – I was thinking about a just a little cafe called Popo Vu. It's a children's book in Mexico about Mayan and how we all are, we're all created. I just thought, holy cow, that's amazing. Two days later, I got an email, just a phishing email from these, you know, brokers that are yep. looking. They said, we got a space in Northeast. Would you want to make another Lin 65? And I just kind of sat there and said, yeah, cool, I'll take a look at it. Went out and looked at it and walked through the space. And just once you get inside this, the outside looks like something, but the inside's this cavernous brick, old 1920s windows. And it's amazing in there. So immediately, just seeing that space, I said, no, we know it lends itself to two restaurants i that that was something we had to do because it's split up into three different rooms so we have one on one side we have the other restaurant on the other side and then a big production kitchen in the middle type thing um and central will be the taqueria side of it yeah yeah central is going to be kind of like a a market when you walk into there you're going to go through a line and order your food you'll sit down uh, we're we're playing around with the service model of that right now because we're we're a little wary of the fifteen dollar an hour yeah model how that goes and what that does to restaurants of any style uh, it will be something to watch but we're kind of just getting ahead of the ball uh, we're designing it so we can go to a table counter service and if if the fifteen dollar an hour thing gets pushed back or if it doesn't happen or if we get a tip credit credit um, tip credit yeah, yeah. Tip credit if we get that um, then you know then it takes some of the stress off and then we can provide full service but. If we can't do that, we're we're trying to design a concept just like Green Street Meats in Chicago, Big Star in Chicago, um, and Joko, mm-hmm. Phyllis's place, where it's a walkthrough. Chipotle, I mean, kind of did this yep. stuff too. So we're taking we're turning on its head a little bit by having a full, huge island bar in the middle with margaritas on tap, but just a big Boston style oyster pit. Uh, so it's going to be a place where you just go, you, you get your margaritas on tap, you watch some soccer on TVs, you get a bunch of tacos, uh, tortas. Raised brisket by the, or I mean, smoked brisket by the pound, things like that. From maybe uh, you learned how to make some brisket yeah, at Brasa, I'm yeah, assuming. I did, yeah. <laughs> well, and then you know all these the plethora of amazing books that are out there now, like Franklin Street Barbecue. Yeah, uh, it's just. Like, have you been? I haven't been. It's worth it. You wait a long time, but it is worth it. Yeah, and that's kind of the fun thing. And then you see what Thomas is doing with some barbecue in town now. Yeah, I think people are. That's one of those foods that is, it's like America's food. Yeah, Thomas is Chef Thomas Famer with uh, Revival and Corner Table. Yes, yeah, yep. Absolutely. And winner of the Cochon 555. Yeah, yeah. He, knows how to, he knows how to smoke and braise and, and get into that French stuff really, really tight too, which is really fun. But his background in, in barbecue is amazing. And I think that there's still a lot of room in town and in this market to explore. I don't think you 
barbecue-centric restaurants really going to do very well anymore because Corner Table, or not Corner Table, I'm sorry, Revival has really, you know, set the bar there. Brasa, I would consider also a different yeah. style of barbecue. But So we've got this comfort food renaissance happening in Minnesota. And the brewery is right there. That can't yeah. hurt. Oh, I mean, yeah. for t- walk-up window and... Yep, we got to take that window just for those folks who are probably going to, you know, I haven't spoken with Indeed yet or Able, but I mean, Tattersall's right across yeah. the track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, We'll probably set up some sort, I'm hoping, of a deal where we just have food that we, we give them menus. You can or call our phone, we'll yep. order, and we'll, we'll deliver, or however we do it. Yep. So it, it's, it's just an amazing location. Um, that central side is going to be you know, so vibrant. Um, how are you going to describe Popovu? Uh, like how, because I ate the food, yeah. and I really liked it. Yeah. And I was trying to explain to someone, I was like, well, it's kind of upscale Mexican, but then I wasn't sure that really like was this no. description because it was Alicone's, homey. Yeah, it's Jose Alicone's restaurant. You know, it's his flagship restaurant. In my mind, and in, in, in just knowing him for the year that I've known him, I think that he's probably one of the next big talents coming out of town. Um, I think he has a lot to say. He's got this amazing pedigree and background, whether it was Travail for a short time, but and then Brasserie Central. I cooked a lot in Mexico. His, his grandparents owned a bakery in uh, Morelos, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And back then, they would just, I mean, it, they'd make the dough based on how humid it was out and how hot yeah. it was. So the different breads for how days went. And he grew up in that environment, uh, milling their own corn and all that. I loved stuff. the tres leches cake yeah. that he made. It was almost like this very light piece of grilled cake. Yeah. And then there was a coconut, um, like a sorbet that was with it. And it was just really light but delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, in those dinners, in that dinner especially, he cooked a little defensively in that one, too. Some of his technique didn't really get to shine through. I think he got a little scared of the number of people that were mm-hmm. served that night. And also, Lynn's Kitchen is so uh, dysfunctional, and it's so, you know, it's impossible to cook in to begin with, especially if you're not using the pizza oven. Yeah. Big, gigantic thing that just sits there. Um, that he, you know, we try and do the best that we can with what we have there. But at, Sen- at Popo Vu, he is going to have really beautiful argentinian style grill right all wood fired uh plancha he's gonna have this really nice mesquite barbecue oven too that it's all very rustic um which i in conceptualizing it for him i've kind of taken the lead on it as far as what these two restaurants are going to be so it's me conceptualizing this stuff with jamie olson Mm -hmm. amazing um and then the rest of the tributarians are now starting to get into it now that we have these concepts but Jose doesn't know what he's walking into. I mean, right. He's, he, it's gonna, and I, that's kind of by design, too. I want him to have to struggle a little bit. I want him to have to find his footing in a new kitchen because it's going to breed creativity. Right. Learning how to use all this stuff right away. And then all those, you know, his memory will recall flavors and how to make them and all that stuff. So, um, you know, that's something that we're, uh, I'm, I'm so, honestly, I'm so excited about. And then, then we have that central, that central kitchen in the middle that um, does have all the gas got the range it's mm-hmm. got the slow cooking oven it's got the smoker all that stuff that goes under a, a gas hood too so there's so much flexibility for jose and with the raw bar and everything else yeah it's going to be oh, and it's in a tiny space it's 56 feet with one private dining room with 12 people in it um and so you're gonna ha- you're gonna walk into this space and right to your left when you walk in there's a huge just rolling fire going like a big fireplace yeah cooks with lines all out all out in the open um, and the smell of that place and everything else is going to be so alluring. And then you get these small plates and, and maybe we're taking a spin on a Japanese hot pot, which is like a 
family style, very poor community uh, rice dish. Yeah. You put everything in it and you cook the rice and then you just stir it table side and you just slop it out. But we're doing some uh, twists on that and going more Mexico City with it with some braised meats, chilies, and the Yum. stock. And it's going to be just like this shared plate that, you know, uh, it's that type of cooking that gets right into our hearts and our souls. Which Sounds awesome. Yeah. And it's a fall opening? Yeah, yeah, September 30, I always say September 31st because it doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> October 1st uh, is the date, you know, that we have to be live. Otherwise, I'm not doing my job very well and we're paying rent and not making any money. Yeah, so. and there's a Vietnamese restaurant that's being bandied about. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, just through my um, working at Lynn and at Alma, some of the cooks that I've gotten to know over the years, that's a passion that is completely untapped in the chef driven world and we have non bistro which is amazing yeah great. really great i love that place but as far as kind of our spin on it taking it and doing something a little bit different and with a really strong cocktail bar really strong wine list and, and focusing on the service aspect and then just kind of hiding away the really good food that we're going to do mm-hmm. um yeah we're, we're we're conceptualizing a place called kapo which is um, the japanese term for from my understanding is is um the art of giving hospitality or feeding someone or, you know, giving them that uh, gift, I guess. And so it's a really, really unique and inspiring um, idea in my mind. And we're just kind of playing around with it, doing some stuff, trying to make the right connections to make it happen. But we're going to give Popovu and Central a couple of years, I think, just like Lynn was two years. This yep. one will get two years of depending on – I'm not going to be there very often. I'll be there to, for the start, but this is their restaurant. What do you wake up at night worrying about? <laughs> uh yeah a lot i i worry about at lynn 65 i worry a ton about um you know just the the arc of a brand i guess you know and and being chef driven you your arc is can be interpreted as your life if you like alex has if you have the managerial ability Mm -hmm. if you have the goodwill if you have all those things to keep people around doing it for you I bet if Alex was sitting here right now, though, and he was still working the line every day, he probably wouldn't be open. Yeah. You know, if he was working 60 hours a day still at 45, sorry, Alex, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't think that he would necessarily maybe be doing uh, all this stuff right now. But yeah. He's, he's been able to form with good relationships, and by being um, true to his employees, he's been able to form this company that where he speaks and everybody knows exactly what he's saying. We keep hearing about the chef crisis, and are you worried about that? It seems like you're finding people. Yeah. Oh God. Well, no. I mean, we're stretched so thin at Linsky Five right now that, um, you know, once the food truck opens, we literally do not have people. I'm gonna. I'll be working there six on the line five to six days a week again. Mm -hmm. It wasn't when we started for the first two years. Which thank goodness for alcohol and things like that to get you through those (laughs) first two years. Um, but now I'm. it's very, very stressful, and there's not the interest. There's no, there's no. At least the culinary schools, while they weren't developing good cooks, they were developing at least some interest, which was misplaced a lot of times with these young cooks because they'd get in there and they'd want to make fourteen bucks an hour and they'd want to have say in everything. Where no, you're coming out of culinary school and you're going to start peeling vegetables and you're going to actually learn how to cook my way. And not to diss on the millennials because we do all the time and they get a bad <laughs> rap, but there is something about that age group too where they. I had a niece that got a job offer, and um, she didn't think that they really wanted her. 
Mm -hmm. So she didn't take the job. I was like, what? Nobody wants you getting out of college. You're like the low man on the totem pole. That's the I remember distinctly uh, in college, one of them, I forget which college because it was so many, but uh, the arc of where you are and what you should be making in your life. And so from 20 to about 40, you're going to be underpaid because you're going to be working a lot and you're going to be making less than everybody else, but the arc goes up. And of course, and then you hit that 40-year mark and then you get above what you should be getting paid for your output. And so by the time you're oh, that's interesting. 50s, you're making more than you should be getting paid, right? Yeah. So people need to keep in mind from you know, 22, 23 years old until you're into 40, you're not supposed to be really making it. You're well, and it's it. the time where you're creating yourself. Yeah. Your hard work speaks for your efforts and your... Absolutely. I mean, when you own a company, it is really, A, amazing be stressful and you're laying in bed. Like I used to lay in bed at night and think, oh my gosh, if we don't make this number or buy this extra press or make this decision, someone might not be able to feed their family or pay their car payment. And as you get more employees, you know, you have people that rely on you and, you know, they're angry about something or they don't feel like they're getting enough in their hourly wage. And you're really like, struggling trying to think about how they're going to stay with you to make their livelihood exactly it's this there's so many amazing things with that i mean with linsky z5 i was told by my partners we're going to open up in december of 2013 and so i quit alma i didn't have a job november of 15 and they told me that that i would make my salary starting when i quit alma and then be there you know fast forward to august of 2014 and we finally opened i didn't have a job i had to i was doing carpentry i was making tabletops i made all the tabletops at lin 65 but i was filling my gas tank with change yeah you know i had nothing that's a that's a really like a lot of the entrepreneurs that i've talked to on this program and certainly myself and my husband everybody quits their job too early oh yeah (laughs) because you have this idea in your mind of when it's going to happen so that would be a good piece a good takeaway here if you're listening entrepreneurs that when you think it's the time to quit, plan probably <laughs> yes. for three to six months or have a good stash of cash because yeah, it doesn't happen in the time frame you think it's going to. Yeah, and, or get a serving job, you know, something where you can find a casual enough thing where you can get some cash coming yep. in, which I, I just didn't feel like I could anymore. I had, I had, had my, my coming of age at Alma, and I had this amazing feeling, and I, I actually burned uh, Max over at Stewart's. Uh, he, I, I read I, I needed a job. It was like halfway in between – Putting Alma and opening Lynn, I I was working, but I wasn't getting paid for anything. I needed to find a job, and Alex told me get a serving job. Don't get a cook job. You're not going to like it. I said, no, that's not true. You know, whatever. And then I I took a I, on Craigslist. I really loved Max's ad, and so I went and I worked a couple days, uh, and I just called him the third day and I said, hey, I'm not coming in today. I you know I'm gonna hang out with my buddy and and, and Alex buddy. was right he was so right yeah. why do you think he was right what what did he know oh he's right about it all you know he's been <laughs> he's, he's been through it all and he's got this like fathering or mentor the way he mentors and the way he he's a really unique person oh, for sure it's amazing yeah I mean he was just we opened Lin 65 with three thousand dollars in the bank we had zero contingency we had nothing else we hadn't paid ourselves me Jason and Travis and Ty we hadn't paid ourselves in like Two months. And with four of you, how did, so when you, I mean, how, when you finally got some money, did you split it equally? I mean, we, well, we had our and how long yeah, did it take you had, to get it up to speed? Yeah, we all had equal salaries uh, 
because everything was going to be equal or yep. equal for the most part. Uh, now it's getting more confusing, of course, with all the different things going on. But um, no, I mean we we opened that first day. We made we had a five thousand dollar net sales day, which and we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah, you know our our soft opening was probably the funniest one in history. I wanted to have past pizzas, but we had no control over what was happening. So everyone just sat down and started ordering pizzas. We started the pizza oven on fire. We started our pizza paddles on fire. <laughs> All the grease, and then we were putting out this garbage product. It was amazingly a huge failure. Um, you know, but then we started the first day. We have some of the best Yelp reviews in history. There's one that says, like, second graders could open a better restaurant than this. <laughs> it's amazing. If you if you ever dig deep enough into our Yelp history, it is awesome. It was all one star or five star. Okay, that's we funny. Were so inconsistent with everything. Um, but, yeah, we were honestly – we were working seven days a week every day, we, you know – it got so stressful that we started shutting down the restaurant. But um, talking about those stresses that keep you up at night, not making payroll, things like yeah. that. With, when you open a restaurant with $3,000 in the bank and you haven't gotten your opening food or liquor inventory yeah. yet, you, and you still need about $100,000 in equipment, you start off at a negative $160,000. Yeah. So we put our heads down. We ground and ground and ground and ground, and, and we didn't – or I say to Minnesota, but we, we were late on our income tax for the first – Yeah. sales tax for the first – Quarter. It's funny you say that because a lot I read the tax liens. Yeah, I've always read them. Yeah, and restaurants are notoriously in there for the tax liens, and they're big amounts of money. Oh yeah, because yeah. they will use that money sometimes as startup as capital. And if that restaurant doesn't succeed, it's hard for them to ever pay it back. Get back in it, absolutely true. You know, and luckily for us, Richfield turned out to be the right place. It turned out to be. A place where people accepted us. Yeah. Throughout it all. I mean, we had so many missteps, and we screwed up so many times because we didn't know what we were doing. And I'll, I'll blatantly say that, and we same thing's going to probably happen at Colville Central. It will. It'll be better, but it's not going to be. The mistakes will be different, yeah. but there'll be mistakes. Absolutely. It's just part of living, and it's also part of teaching the next generation or that generation, not age-wise, but figuratively of people mm-hmm. coming of age in your business they have to have those mistakes. They have to learn them themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I just thought of something, speaking of Central and Popovu uh, and the Cook's crisis, the one thing that let's say we'll have an advantage on over everybody else is that it will be a heavily Latino-dominated kitchen. Mm-hmm. It will be. And that's, I think, where we're going back into it. If you look in the 80s and the 90s, they were underpaid and they worked really hard, right? And so that was the allure of having them. And then we went through the golden age where a bunch of, you know, people like me went to culinary school and started cooking and we took a lot of jobs out of that, but now mm-hmm. nobody really wants to come back in. And so, and it's nice to see them, them as a, a group of people that have worked hard, the uh, proverbial them being able to now step into the light. Yes. Uh, yeah. And now there's establishment for living wages for cooks, which wasn't a thing before, mm-hmm. you know, even when I started at Alma, Alex was so proud that he could pay overtime and living wages to his cooks. Yeah, he, he paid living wages back then, which now it's even more expensive. But um, he'd do it, and so now there's going to be more opportunity, I think, for this to be, like I said, a fifty thousand, sixty thousand dollar a year job with benefits, with all that stuff, which seems real normal. Yeah, I mean, right. it doesn't seem like this should be the thing we're really stretching to oh, make happen. I know, and I don't mean to sound callous about that amount of money because that's the average for a family of four, I think. Yeah. I just feel like that should be doable. This Absolutely. is the one of the best restaurant communities in the country. and We eat out more as, as a community than we ever have in the past. I, I forget the number. I, I looked it all up for my my investment deck for uh, Central and Popovu, but 
it's insane how much money we spend in this. Yeah, time. it's when I get my visa bill at the end of the year and it shows you the pie charts. Oh Food and alcohol <laughs> are like three quarters of my pie. I don't even buy clothes. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same exact way as you are. It's and all I, eating out. Yeah, and it's, it's getting to, you know, getting to feel the hospitality, getting to see what people are doing in this town. And, and, and in that way, we are so lucky in this town. Okay, so quick, like, rapid-fire food yeah. questions, and then we're going to um, wrap it up here. Yeah. So you can order a drink at any bar in town. What bar are you going to order from, and you can't say your own? No, I won't. Uh, can I go back in time? Sure. Meritage, Rob Jones, uh, <laughs> when he was running that show, I lived right down the street, and a Mezcal Old Fashioned. I have had that drink. That's so funny. Rob Jones and I have a funny history. I don't – I've – I. I used to do this thing, and I still do it, but I always had, like, a, a bartender boyfriend or a chef crush. It just, yeah. you know, not sexual, which makes my radio partner so uncomfortable. <laughs> but Rob Jones was my bartender boyfriend because oh, he was yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. And I just followed him, and when he, like, opens, and I was like, your boyfriend, your boyfriend's over at blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, he is? Yes. I love Rob Jones. He's, he's great. The one to, yeah, he's the one to, to have that boyfriend or have that It's just too. a total, like admiration for yes. him and what he does and i think i even introduced my husband to him once i'm like this is my bartender boyfriend he was like oh this is the guy i'm like yeah, yeah you know this. i i love chef crushes and just people you know i have my favorite hospitalitarians you could be ranking right up there you'd have to move tim niver over just a little bit but yeah. i was gonna say if we get to that question he'd be number one for me i mean he's the natural gift of just making people feel welcome. Yeah. And and then you can see it in his concepts and his design, how he does things. He he actually conceptualizes that aspect into his experience. And so for him to see this to see the success that he's having right now is so great. Because it's true. I mean he's he's like the Danny Meyer Alex yeah. is probably Danny Meyer in this town, but uh it, to use that analogy, if we're all striving to be like Danny, which I think we should, I, I know I'm a huge follower of mm-hmm. what he is, but um just that, that natural gift is something that is so hard to find. When you have food shame, what is it that you're eating? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, I don't, I shouldn't, it's just my go-to at the end of the night every night because Pizza Luce is open so late. Spinach salad and the, and the Italian combo, hoagie. Yum. I, just, I share that. It's so good. It's just like. No shame in that. Oh, it's so, so good. I did ask you when we were warming up the microphones, like, what you had for lunch today. You were like, well, I haven't eaten. And (laughs) to be fair, it's 4 o'clock. And then I said, well, what did you have for dinner last night? (laughs) Well, what did you say, cheese? Cheese, yeah, some cheese and a baguette. uh, (laughs) Just sitting there. I don't know. After being around food all day, is it not pleasant to, like, eat it? You know, I feel guilty going into restaurants sometimes because I, I... immediately empathize especially if they're getting crushed but i also am very like hey good for you guys you guys are doing it you're yeah. making money that's great but i the burden on the kitchen sometimes is a little much for me um so you it's not even pleasurable to my own restaurant's definitely not you know it, well in 65 restaurant alma always pleasurable and yeah. alma cafe because that's just like going home in a way so i'm i'm really hoping i shouldn't probably say this on a podcast but I'm really hoping that they get some service things worked out over there. Yeah. And I think it has to do with the way that they do it because it's counter service in the morning and then it changes over and it feels very communally run. And Brasa used to feel communally run too and it drove me crazy. And they changed it. Uh, In Grand Avenue in St. Paul, you know, you'd someone would seat you, someone else would take your order, someone else would do this, someone else would do that. And you just felt like... It was just this mass of it, nobody knew who was doing what. Yes. 
Absolutely. I, I, and I, I will say I'm sure that Alex and his team will be the first ones to figure that out. I um, talked to one of the bartenders about it, and she was not stunned by what right. I said and so very thoughtful about really wanting to hear what I said. And she was like, can I have him call you? And I was like, well, I don't want to be that girl. She was like, no, but like we need to know because we're really all invested in trying to make this better. And yeah. I was like, well, okay. I mean, yeah, I guess. Tell him to call me. Well, and it's a great point, though, too, of, of expectations because I have those expect- expectations, too, of a restaurant. You know, it's a living and breathing thing. And, and so Restaurant Alma on one side, they'll probably still have a lot of their things in place because it took them 18 years to get to that culture. Right. This Alma Cafe is all of a sudden a brand new concept, and it's a brand new concept for Alex too. The cafe and the full liquor license, yeah, it's the first one ever. So, having Bitter Cube in there, who's uh, they've got amazing employees, but they're not necessarily Alex's employees. There's just a lot of disconnect, I think, right now. Yeah, so and they're they form that team and that bond, and, and yep. everyone's working with each other instead of in a way against each other, which is always, you know, until you can get that stuff in place. And, and like I said earlier, Alex says something, everyone knows exactly what he's saying, and they do it. Right now, it's probably not exactly happening there because it's just it's rusty. It needs, it needs to well, and I could tell you as a customer almost to the day when either management changed their process or they changed the way they did their service, yeah. and it just became a night and day experience. And I'm not even people think like because I eat out all the time that I'm really picky. I'm almost the reverse. Right. It, I can get really bad food and not complain. I can get really bad service and just like suck it up. Yeah. But when it's like so for me to actually talk about it or to put it into words, it's really needs some help at that point. You're, yeah, you and I are both the same in that. Because I, I just I, sit in like, oh, yeah, yeah they're busy. You can empathize with it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the empathy for that. You see it. You know what's happening. And, you you, you know, you, you can see that. Um, yeah, I've witnessed some of the greatest meltdowns in restaurants ever. Uh, the Saint, there's a St. Paul breakfast place. I think it's still open, but it was like Shelby once they named it. Like hour and forty five minutes for breakfast food and yeah. diner food because cook called in sick. I know exactly that there. restaurant. And it was just like, oh, I feel so bad for you guys. Yep. Like, oh my god. And 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 the poor just, servers they, and they had, yeah. They had tears in, in their eyes at the end of it, and it's like it's not necessarily your fault. And a, it's not your fault. B, this doesn't matter that much. I mean, I'm here for breakfast, and and I have friends here. We're having fun and all those things. But yeah, the service aspect of things is something that is definitely so important. And <laughs> I like that you said that though, because. It is so important for us to get that feedback, too. Especially well, and that Stephanie always rags at me. She's like, you need to tell them. They need to know. Yes. I'm like, I don't need to be the one that ruins their lives, you know? Like, someone else can. She's yeah. like, no, you should. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, it, you do it in a constructive way, which is great. It's not When it's, uh, hey, how is everything? And they say, oh, it's fine. And then five minutes later, it's on Yelp. One star. Yeah. This, this, and this was wrong. Have you ever written a Yelp review? I started, and I only do five stars. I started for all like my buddies and stuff, and I give like very, very intricate, well thought reviews and things like that huh. for Stewart's for Max. I was just like, yeah, that place is so great. Yeah, Let's talk about a little place where, you know, the owners there every day and the servers love it, and you can just tell their joy. Even though, yeah, when they're busy, you know. And that's busy. the place that was the former. Is it one twenty cafe one twenty eight? Yep. That's it. That and is a place that they've redone, and it's real cute and really sweet. Yeah, I would say They made the smallest place on earth feel <laughs> like a big restaurant. Yes. But cozy. That's a great compliment. I, I, yeah, because it just, like, originally when you went in there, it didn't feel so great. And they've redone the space, but the space is still the same, but it feels so much better. It does, yeah. And the kimchi hash. Oh, yeah. That's ridiculous. real legit. I'm with you on that. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you are going to um, have a beer, what are you going to have? 
Uh, something light. Lager. Uh, Doña Chela is the new Minnesota yeah, lager. Yeah, I've had uh, that. Yeah, we've been supporting them. I mean, their micro, their contract brewing places. So until they get their own place, I think that Sergio is going to have a hard time with consistency and things like that. Mm-hmm. Be, you know, if you're batching and then you're bottling and then you go to a different brewery or whatever yeah. you do, it's really hard to get the same exact thing going every time. Um, but that's the style of beer that I really, really love. Miller High Life, I'll have. You know, oh, that's I, funny. I in my twenties, I had all the big ones. You know, the IPAs, EPAs, and, and now I can have one or two of them, and then I, I switch. Yeah, it is it is interesting, the amount of alcohol, the percentages can creep up on you. I live right by the happy no oh, and yeah. sometimes you're sitting there enjoying something. It's like, oh, 12% alcohol. <laughs> Great. Thank God I'm walking. Yeah. yeah, and it's made so well that you can't even. No, uh-uh. It's not Bernie. It's not big. It's like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, sitting with us today. So we will be looking for a Popo Boo's opening, Central's opening, um, we'll be looking for the Win 65 food truck at our favorite festivals. Yeah. We'll be back at Lynn 65. And um, we'll be looking forward to what the tributarians are going to be doing. It's nine people in your group. Is that a, a finite number? or No, no. We've, we've I The way I had it kind of corporate, well, it's an LLC, but I had it structured in a way to, so there's a lot more to give away. Mm-hmm. And I myself only own 12% of it. And then the other guys own 10. The newer, youngest members own 8 Oh, that's neat. Yeah, and so they all get 20% of every restaurant we ever open just through that. But if it's their concept, they get the other percentage too. Yeah. To green light it just to give that that little bit of uh, more of a you know stake in the game or skin in the game. And, and then, yeah, we're just going to start saving money through that. And then It'll be super fun to watch. I, again, I was really excited to interview you because I feel like you're on the cusp of something. I hope so. And that's what this show is about is learning about what entrepreneurs do. And um, when you – when you look back and you're going to be the Alex Roberts and you're going to be talking to somebody like Ben Reince and what, what is a piece of advice you're going to give? The advice is hard. Don't get down on yourself and don't, you know, say thank you to everybody. Say, please, thank you. And don't take things too seriously. See, your mom taught you some good manners (laughs) or your dad too, but that's your mom right there. All right. Thanks for being on the show today. My pleasure.